This is Dr. Kim from 1PT out in Hudson, Massachusetts. We are privileged to have Dr. Antonia Chen with us today. Dr. Chen is an orthopedic surgeon and director of research at Brigham and Women's Hospital, one of Boston's best. Dr. Chen is an outstanding surgeon who cares for her patient's well-being and interacts with each patient individually and discusses a plan of care that will best suit their needs. What works for one person may not be the best for someone else. Dr. Chen and I first met at a Red Sox game last year. Since then, I've been, I've been able to see that she's a caring, funny, and very intelligent person, both in and out of the clinic. Her patients are lucky to have her. Today, we'll see what led Dr. Chen down the path of orthopedics and other aspects of her career treating patients. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to, to talk with us here at 1PT, Dr. Chen. Thanks, Kim. Really appreciate that nice introduction. So let's start and see uh, kind of what made you get into orthopedics, specifically uh, with joint replacements. Originally, when I entered medical school, I wanted to be a pediatrician because I liked working with kids. And once I hit the anatomy lab and saw that you pulled a tendon and moved a finger or, or hit a bone a certain way, that you could actually see how form meets function. So I got attracted to orthopedics because of how things worked. And between my first and second year of medical school, um, we, most people do some sort of research project. And I happened to work with a guy named Dr. Freddie Tria in New Jersey. And he's a hip and knee specialist, mostly a knee specialist. And he did knee replacements. And I saw his patients go from not walking to walking again. And I said, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Getting to see uh, how things work. Uh, in and outside the body. The anatomy lag can be uh, pretty interesting. Not for everybody, though. Not for everybody. <laughs> Sometimes a little too gruesome at that time. Uh, formaldehyde was slowly transitioning to other uh, embalming techniques, so that was a little bit better. But it is true. It is not necessarily the most attractive place to find it. Definitely. You leave the lab and you uh, pretty much smell that for the rest of the day. <laughs> and, and longer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so you do a lot of hips and knees, correct? Mm -hmm, that's correct. And do you have a preference? Do you like to do knees or hip replacements one more than the other, or do you like to switch it up a little bit? It's a little bit interesting. I do like the variety of it. So in the United States, it's a little bit different in that we do hip and knee replacements as a arthroplasty training group. My hip patients do fantastic. They do absolutely very well. They're very happy with their outcomes. Knee patients take a little bit longer to kind of edge along. And I do tell the knee patient it takes about a year to recover. But from a technical perspective, I actually like doing knee replacements more. But I like the outcomes of my hip replacements better. Right. And in the U.S., so we do hip and knee replacements. In other parts of the world, actually, you have a knee specialist. So they can do ACL reconstructions to a knee replacement. And some people do hip specialists. So I do like the variety of doing two different joints. Very cool. Um, for your hip replacements, do you do the anterior, the posterior approach? I do a direct lateral approach, actually. Oh, interesting. So, <laughs> I do something a little bit different. I think we're all a product of our training. So yep. when I was a resident, I did a lot of direct lateral approaches in what we call the lateral uh, position, so up on the side. And then when I was a fellow, we did a lot of them laying on the back or the supine position. So I became very comfortable with that approach. So I mostly do that approach. I'll do posterior approaches for some revision cases, but most of the time I'll do direct lateral. Very cool. All right. What's your typical work week look like? I know you do a lot of research and everything 
combined. So give us a, a sense of what your normal work week is. Well, unfortunately, normal is out of the realm right now. But when it comes to a normal work week, I normally operate on Mondays and Wednesdays and then see patients on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And exactly what you're saying, research is a big component of what I do. So Fridays are dedicated to research. Now, sometimes that creeps into some clinical time as well, too. But it also is dedicated to um, doing either meetings with collaborators or traveling to conferences to present or exchange ideas. Gotcha. And what type of research do you like to do? My research and focus is mostly clinical research, meaning studying patients to hopefully improve their outcomes. So my goal when it comes to whatever topics we study is hopefully we do things or change things or implement things that improve our patients who, are do, who undergo hip and knee replacements. So my main area of focus is infection. I would love to see infection to be a never event, meaning no one ever gets infected. And I think that's going to be impossible to come across. But we can do a lot of things to reduce that. And research that we're doing involves either preoperative optimization or doing things prior to surgery to make them better for surgery. So, for example, vitamin D. If you can supplement patients with vitamin D, potentially that can reduce their risk of infection. Things you do in surgery itself. So irrigations or washes that we can do to make the site uh, less likely to become infected or add antimicrobials to the site. So we're doing a study in collaboration with NYU on that. And finally, we have the post-operative area too. So we have dressings or care after surgery to try to reduce infections. But that's just one small area of the pie. We also look at functional outcomes. Um, we also look at uh, arthrofibrosis, which is stiffness after joint replacements. And we also like to do some predictive modeling as well to see who's going to do well with the hip or knee replacement and how can we improve that for patients. Excellent. And what do you like, what do you like about your job, Antonia? What makes you go into work every day? So I'm lucky. I'm probably similar to you. I do really love my job. I love helping people get better. Ultimately, what it comes down to is patient care. If it weren't for the patients, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So even from a research perspective, from a clinical perspective, from or a clinic perspective or an operating room perspective, I like going into the operating room and doing a case and then afterwards telling a patient that their arthritis is now gone and they have a new hip or knee replacement. And that's really satisfying to be able to see a patient walk just like I did when I was a med student is fantastic. From the clinic setting, it's really good to see your patients as they keep following up with you as they're doing well, as they bring their either significant others or their, their kids and you know, say, like, I can now play with my grandkids, I can play with my kids, I can move around much more freely than I could before. So it's really satisfying to see that too. And um, from a research perspective, implementing what we do and seeing it affect other people on a large scale really keeps me going. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, are there any dislikes to your job? Well, I wish I could say every single person was perfect after a joint replacement, but I'd be lying if I were to say so. So, you know, there are patients who still have persistent pain or some, um, they're not 100% happy with what they have as a joint replacement. So we work with them very closely to make them better. After surgery, we try different modalities. Um, even people who are before surgery, not everyone is a good candidate for surgery. And those are a little bit harder to work with, right? Because you want to make patients happier. You want to make patients do well. But in some cases, we have to work on optimizing them before surgery, whether it's weight loss, physical activity, diabetes control, things like that. And that's, that's a hard process to do because it takes more patience, um, but it is something that we think is necessary and helpful for our patients. Sure. And I imagine that pretty much those dislikes are the same thing as the challenges that you're 
that are associated with your job. You, like you said, you want to make people get better, but to a certain extent, their bodies aren't putting them in that pathway for you. It's true. I wish we could hit a button and have everyone have the absolute perfect outcome. And I'm sure my patients would like that too. Um, <laughs> but those challenges are real. And that's true for, I'd say, every single surgeon, in all honesty. Um, right. there, there are different challenges that come with the two. Each individual is unique. Um, there's challenges with their job situations or their home situations and things like that, that we have to work on an individual basis. So challenges are good things. Uh, we can improve from them and make each patient better. But I, again, I wish I could make it a hundred percent perfect, but we're working on that. Awesome. Do you prefer surgery days or your clinic days when you're, when you're headed into work? I think if you asked any surgeon, they would prefer surgical days because we like to operate. We like to do what we do. And I like the immediacy of surgery. So you come in and you say, doc, my, my knee's been hurting or my hip's been hurting. And it got really bad this morning. And then I do surgery on them. And they have a different type of pain after surgery. That deep-seated grinding pain that they'd been feeling for months or years is gone. And they have a surgical site pain which is temporary, it does go away with time. So that's incredibly satisfying because you can see that difference within a day. Um, and that is great to see. And some of our patients go home the same day of surgery. So to see a patient walk out, and that that's, lifts my heart personally. Um, when it comes to clinics days, though, they can be really good as well too, especially if you have happy outcome. The harder ones is during clinic, and we're likely to get some of the challenging ones. And so those become a little bit harder. So I do look forward to surgical days more than I do clinic days. I gotcha. Uh, let's see. How important is it for patients to strengthen pre-surgery? That's a huge area, actually, that my colleague and I have been looking into. He's really championed that, Dr. Wolfgang Fitz, and he's done a really good job with that. And looking at patients prior to surgery, if you make them strong, their ability to rehab after surgery is better. So we call that prehabilitation, and and there's a bunch of different apps or just exercises we give to patients prior to surgery so that they can engage in them and then improve their strength before so that afterwards they don't have to worry as much in terms of strengthening because they can recover what they already had. So we find that to be incredibly useful. You know, I don't think 10, 15 years ago that was part of the regimen for total hip, or, total hip or total knee replacements, but now we recognize it's important. So for patients, especially if we're going to be waiting for a while before undergoing a joint, we tell our patients right now actually who are waiting because of COVID-19 is keep strengthening, keep doing your exercises because it can only help you in the long run. Yes, excellent. Here is kind of a number one question that gets pushed around with different physicians. What are your thoughts on cortisone injections? Corticosteroid injections are a very interesting area in terms of pain control. Now, corticosteroids are basically anti-inflammatories. So it's like taking an Advil, leave, or aspirin and putting it directly into your joint. The benefit of that is you're targeting the anti-inflammatory load as opposed to taking a pill that goes throughout the whole rest of your body. Now, if you have arthritis throughout the rest of your body, that's a wonderful thing. But if you have arthritis in one joint, then targeting it with some sort of injection is beneficial. The downside about corticosteroid injection is actually there's a carrier that goes with it. So we use some sort of numbing agent like a lidocaine, bupivacaine, ropivacaine. And these medications, similar to what you get from a dentist like Novocaine when they numb your, your teeth, is that these medications can have some effect on the cartilage inside your knee. Now arthritis is a degradation or degeneration of cartilage. So if you have no cartilage because it's totally degenerated, then the carrier won't do anything bad to the cartilage. 
But if you have good cartilage or some cartilage left that's there, then the injection can actually hurt the cartilage and slightly accelerate arthritis. So we have to be very judicious on how we use it. Uh, I would say that in the compendium of different choices that I have for patients, I would start with diet and exercise. I think diet and exercise, weight loss are great for reducing the amount of arthritis. We say one pound off your body is four pounds off your joints. So that's really huge. I always tell my patients to celebrate losing half a pound, losing a pound, because that's really hard to do. If, Definitely. if that doesn't work, then we can go to oral medications, but they have their own downsides as well, too. Um, it can affect kidney functions for anti-inflammatories or affect the liver for medications like Tylenol. So I do use corticosteroid injections. Um, I use them judiciously. It is recommended. It is somewhat supported by our clinical practice guidelines to use corticosteroids. Um, if a patient has responded to it in the past, then I will use it again, but I only give it every three months at maximum. Excellent. I think that uh, education to your patients is important. Not a lot of people understand the side effects or what could be happening internally with the injection because it is so well known out there. So I think that's awesome that you provide that for your patients. Um, one last thing with corticosteroid injections, do you use fluoroscopy? Uh, why or why not? I don't use fluoroscopy when doing knee injections. I would use fluoroscopy when doing hip injections. I think for knee injections, you can safely get into the joint itself without needing any sort of advanced imaging. But for the hip, you definitely need some sort of advanced imaging. So people use ultrasound or fluoroscopy for the hip injections. Awesome. What would you say is the number one question people forget to ask pre-surgery that you feel patients need some sort of education on? When it comes to the pre-surgical timeframe, I think people have a perception that you get a hip or knee replacement and you're immediately back to normal right away. So a question that I like when patients ask is, how long will it take before I do X, Y, and Z? So how long will it take before I walk without an assistive walking device, such as a cane or a walker or crutches? Or how long will it take before I can get back to work? Or you know, how long is it before I can ski or run or you know, do the activities that I like to do? And I think that's good because it helps set up expectations so, you know, I tell patients, normally you're off of assistive walking devices by six weeks. And everyone differs. Some people take one week. Some people take six weeks. Um, depending on your job, if you're a desk job, you can go back as early as two to six weeks. Or it might take three months to get back to your job if you're a harder laborer. But I always tell patients it probably takes up to a year before you feel really good after a joint replacement. And so when patients come back and see me in clinic... As they keep following up for a joint replacement, I do remind them, I go, there's still time. You know, it's not an instantaneous cure. And setting expectations, I think, is the best thing to do for patients undergoing surgery. And so that patients understand that as well when they're undergoing surgical management. Excellent. Are there any specific exercises that you recommend patients do following a hip or knee replacement? I have some personal favorites that I like to use. Everyone's a little bit different. So you ask 10 orthopedic surgeons, you get 10 different answers, which is true in life. So for me, when it comes to my knee replacements, I say three main exercises are the most important to me, especially in the immediate post-operative period. I have the patient straighten their leg and then do a leg lift. So they engage their quads with a straight leg rise, and I have them hold it for as long as possible. I think a lot of exercises say, you know, hold for 10 seconds and let it down again. I say hold it for 10, then build to 15, build to 20, and just keep building as long as possible to build a sustained 
strength as opposed to just leg lifts and bringing it down. The other thing I work on is extension as well for knee replacements. So I have the patient themselves or someone who lives with them push down on their knees on both sides of their knees to work on extension to make sure that their legs become straight afterwards. And the final one is flexion for a knee replacement is where they sit in a chair and bend their knee back. They plant their foot on the ground and then actually scooch their bottom forward. And I use the same philosophy as the longer you can hold it for, the better it is in terms of actually getting a result as opposed to just holding it for 10 seconds. For hip replacements, my two favorite exercises are similar to the knee replacement in that I like them to do straight leg rise again to get quad function back and do a leg lift and hold. And then for me, because of my approach, I do something like a direct lateral approach where I go through the muscles called the abductors, which bring the leg to the side. So I have patients roll up on their side and start off with clamshells to begin with. And again, doing clamshells and holding it for as long as possible, graduating to clamshells with resistance bands, and then clamshells going from flexed at 90 degrees with the knees to more and more extension. So they're actually fully extending their leg and doing a leg lift on the side for ab isolated abductor exercises. And I tell them as that gets easier and easier, I tell them to use either resistance bands or ankle weights and increase the amount of time that they're holding it for and increase the resistance that they're using. And by doing those on a regular consistent basis, they can hopefully improve their strength and return to their activities of daily living. Fantastic, those all sound great. So most of all, Dr. Chen, you're working super hard during the week. It's hard to believe that you actually have a second to yourself. When you do get a second to yourself, what do you like to do? What is that? I don't understand the terms that you're using. <laughs> so in general, when it comes to downtime, a lot of downtime actually is spent with doing research because research is normally spent during the nights and weekends, not necessarily during the day when we're doing other activities. That's when I do get some downtime, I like to exercise. I tell my patients to exercise, so I feel like I should do the exact same thing. Um, <laughs> I'm addicted to um, my spin bike, so I've been using that a lot, um, especially as I've been exercising more and more indoors because of our current situation. Um, I do run occasionally. I like to spend time with my small dog, and I love checking out new restaurants with friends and family. So when I get some downtime, I like to relax. That sounds good to me. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to speak with us and give us some information on a typical or non-typical <laughs> work week for you. Um, so enjoy your day, stay safe, and um, good luck on some of that research. Right. Well, thanks so much, Kim. Really appreciate this interview and a good time to talk to you. Sounds good. Take thanks care. a bunch. Bye. Bye-bye.